0: Happy Tuesday, ladies and gents, Watchers in the Basement Universe. I am Franklin Cooper.
1: I am Tristan Jones.
2: I'm Marcy Gonzalez.
0: And we are the Watchers in the Basement. What's up, everybody? We're covering episode five of season five of Yellowstone. And this episode was called Watch Them Ride Away. And man, there is every meaning in that word and that phrase for this episode. Um, first and foremost, thanks. To Tristan and Marcy for being here today. We're gonna break down all the main scenes, the Yellowstone, talk about what's to come and all that good stuff. So, ladies first, Marcy, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this toxic ass episode?
2: Um, oh my gosh. At first it felt like it was going to be another one of those slow ones where nothing really happens and Again, it didn't feel like a lot of the plot points were really furthered, but those last, what was that last 20 minutes was pretty insane. It was hard to watch and just peak Beth toxicity.
1: Uh, I I thought this was an episode where Yellowstone kind of really, really got his groove back into the, the elements that really made us love the show. Um, which is like the things that are happening on this ranch, you know, like this, like just the understanding of the land and and the customs and the traditions. Like that's that's why I really like fell in love with the show is like the the cowboyism, you know, and stuff like that. We need more of that. I, I think the show obviously ventured off in like these these different you know avenues, these different conflicts, uh, that took it in these different places. But I think uh, this episode and to a degree last week. It's kind of getting back to the essence of Yellowstone. Uh, I texted a friend who was kind of complaining, saying that the writing was, you know, a little bit weaker this season than it it had been in past seasons. I was like, hey, Yellowstone is back. Like, this is a Yellowstone episode. Uh, Loved it. Um, it, Like Marcy, I didn't think that it moved, it didn't move like the bigger plot points that much in, in this episode, but it's the smaller, you know, incremental. Uh, plot points that I think move like just seeing like the different relationships and and seeing how they could change or evolve over the course of the rest of the season so enjoyed it
0: you know Tristan Marshall to pick it back off of y'all uh, I really enjoyed this episode too uh, it seems like watching the last four weeks I felt like I was watching four different shows I felt like Monica mm-hmm. and Casey have their own show I felt like Jamie had his own show for a little bit and I felt like um, John, had his a little spin off to the side. So for this episode to see everybody together interacting with each other, even though it was kind of limited, but to see that it reminded me that man, this this is a a very talented cast and I can't wait to see them interact more as a unit mm-hmm. from here on forward. I feel like there was a lot of uh separatism with the characters um early on. Um and like and like your, and like your boy or your friend Tristan, I was kind of concerned too with the writing. But man, did they come through with the triple double in this episode man they they came through and like and yes, they didn't advance too much of the storyline, but you get nuggets, um, especially with some flashbacks and some character uh, crossings to, to really to really see what's to come um, towards the, towards the the middle and end of this season. So I'm very, very pleased with this episode.
1: And also um, epi- if we just look traditionally on you know 10 episode seasons, Think Game of Thrones, think House of Dragon, think, you know, Succession. Yeah. Episodes four, five, sometimes six are usually where we get, like, these not necessarily slower, but more personal episodes that kind of move the the, the familiar relationships, just those those one-to-one uh, relationships forward and not necessarily the larger, broader storyline. So this is kind of on, on par for really popular 10-episode uh, season, so um, it's not surprising to not see like you know a bunch of stuff happening in this episode uh, to still be good.
0: I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think I've been spoiled over the last couple of years with just great shows like you know you have Secession and now you know we got get the House of the Dragon late late this fall and games of London. So I'm so used to fast paced action and fat and, and like critical dialogue. Mm-hmm. So some of the some of the deadpanness. Early in the season, um, I needed a reminder how great the show was, and this past Sunday, I got that. I got that swift reminder really, really quickly. Um, so to start with this episode, um, open the opening scene. Of this episode is another flashback uh, with Beth and Rip. So if you guys remember, early on in the season, we had a flashback of Beth and Rip. It looked like it was Beth and Rip's first dates. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth essentially asked Rip out for a date. They go to a neighborhood. Uh, not neighborhood, but like a bar down, down the road in Bozeman. Um, young toxic Beth is born. There's some, there's some awkwardness with the bartender. Uh, Rip's not feeling this and Rip runs off and then Rip heads back to the ranch. And lo and behold, one of the cowboys from the bunkhouse, uh, I don't think he's there now, but um, Rip sees him uh, with Beth, you know, hugged up, they they're they him and stuff. And to connect with this this scene, um, again, it looks like, I'm not sure how far how far past that first date was, but it looked like it was pretty fresh because you see that same cowboy in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like they're about to go cold camping um, as we find out in this episode in present time. And you think Beth is gonna say hi to that cowboy, but but in her little way, it looks like Beth is trying to apologize in her, her little way without apologizing by checking in on rip and like you know saying hey get back safely uh Tristan what was your thoughts about that about that flashback
1: i mean i i mean I, I think they're using these flashbacks between Beth and rip as well as i mean we, we could talk about the ones with john um as well and just like the different happenings happening around the ranch or the different uh obstacles and different issues that that happen around the ranch but specifically with Beth and rip thing is showing, um, I think they're using these flashbacks, and I could be wrong. We'll see by the end of the season if they're using them to show, like, the growth between their relationship or to also kind of provide more context for, like, how Beth is now, you know, and how far she's come or, you know, the shortcomings that she still has and still has to work through. Like, we can see, like, these aren't things that just popped up. Beth has always been impulsive. She's always been super prideful. Mm -hmm um she's all always been abrasive in these things so it's no surprise that she's this way at 40 like she was that way at, i don't know how old she is in these flashbacks let's give it 16 you know 15 16 whatever um so i think they're they're showing it i hope they're showing it at least um to document their relationship like they for all things considered they have a beautiful relationship um it's one based on trust, communication, some empathy. Um, and it wasn't always like that. We, we remember episode one, like this really toxic, um, almost violent relationship between them. And I guess we get to see the origins of, of how that came about because they talk about it in season one, but we, you know, obviously we can't see it. But um, in season five, now that we've seen the growth, literally, them going from this really violent toxic relationship to what seems like a very loving marriage Um, it's just providing that context like I think we need those type of things um, in a story this rich so I I mean again I hope it's been used as like a parallel of like hey this this was them 25, 20 whatever years ago and this is now and we can see how far they both come you know Rip was a remarkably ignorant about just anything outside of ranching he knew nothing this is an orphan with no formal education of any kind it seems uh didn't even know his own birthday um and now he's like wise man rip (laughs) he you know he's he's you know level-headed he can kind of see the bigger picture things he's not he's not impulsive at all um so i mean it's, it's really good to see like how far both of them have come um, not just in their statuses, but just together. Um, so I, I think that's the goal of these flashbacks. We'll see.
0: Marcy, what about
2: you? Um. Yeah, I like that it kind of gives us a glimpse of their past. And I'm just very curious to know, like, why Beth is just very, like, having so many flashbacks and keeps thinking about the past and just kind of probably in a like regretful way and remorseful way. Cause again, she's like, you know, I'm sorry for the past. Uh, so it's interesting to see her just be so fixated on the past. And I like how Rip told her, like, you know, there's really no sense of living in the past. Like I'm in the here and now. Um, so I think that's very good for him. I think he's looking forward, but at the same time, I think Beth needs to do that as well instead of being so stuck in the past. Um, because again, I think all of this like dwelling on things is probably going to like come to a head in like a very dramatic way, which we kind of saw a little bit of that at the end of this episode, right?
1: Real quick, I think I'm going to make a prediction. I think uh, these flashbacks and, and the way that it's eating at Beth, like, she keeps asking him, like, do you ever think about the past? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I, oh, I treated you bad when we were kids. And Rip is just like, eh, you know, it is what it is. And we moved on. I think by the time we get to the, the season finale, I think they're going to show us a flashback of her doing something really fucked up. That I think Rip may have just suppressed, you know, memory wise. Um, and I think that's where it's going to come to a head.
2: Or like, do you think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, keep um, going. I was just going to say, because uh, Rip doesn't know about like Beth's abortion or anything like that. So I'm also wondering if maybe she's feeling very guilty about that because she never told him what happened. He doesn't know. I think she said, like, he knows that I can't have any children, but he doesn't know why. So I also think maybe like she's very feeling very guilty about that Um, and you know, it's feeling like he needs to know about it, but she's just very like afraid to tell him because it is a big thing and you really don't know how he's going to react.
0: A lot of times with trauma, when you when, when you succumb to trauma and you think about the end, oftentimes you, you you cycle through your mind about the past and how you got to a certain point. And my prediction is that she has a fear of the end of their relationship. Is why she keeps cycling back in the past of like what could I what could I have done differently to secure my my relationship with this man that I love so much and for somebody like Beth who doesn't really have much regret in her life to all of a sudden in season five to have this this kind of regret toward and I'm talking my regret that she can control the the you know the, the Jamie the Jamie deal with losing the baby and the hysterectomy the kids she did not understand the, the signs behind that but I, I think as far as Rip's concerned, th- there is something um, that I don't think we have been introduced to um, that's that's going to come out. Because there's no reason in the world why she keeps cycling back in the past if she doesn't feel like this is going to come to an end um, in the very near future. Um, I was very annoyed with the Beth and Rip flashbacks until Sunday. Because uh, I, I didn't know where they were going. I just felt like there was just flashbacks to just fill the time and not to this Sunday. And, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. Um, Rip handling some certain situations in this very episode, it displayed a lot of patience from Rip. And now because Rip has no patience for nobody else, not Carter, not the the, the bunkhouse people, nobody, but Beth. <laughs> right. I think with John is more from a um, more from a paternal, um, as a paternal perspective from John to, to Rip, a fatherly figure. But when it comes to anybody else, he has no patience. And when you see that flashback in the beginning of the episode, you realize why Rip, why Rip is the way he is with Beth and, and the level of patience he has with her because he's had so much practice with it. I mean, he, he literally lives, when, when it comes to this kind of uh, ordeal and drama with Beth, he's had so much practice. He's failed so many times with Beth. Now, I don't feel, I don't feel like anything can really phase him because he's he's been through the wrinkle with her. So um now seeing what happened in this episode, I have a better understanding of why those flatbacks flashbacks are needed. And now I want more flashbacks, uh, which is which is so funny because just a week ago I was I was so over that shit. But um yeah, so I, I, I totally agree with with, with you interesting, uh Marcy, that I think something's gonna come out that's gonna potentially break them. But I mean the love is so beautiful. I mean, as crazy as it is, the, the love is very beautiful. I, I sometimes I have a question for y'all. Which relationship do y'all do y'all love more? Casey and Monica, or Beth and Rip?
2: Casey and Monica.
0: Casey and Monica for you? Why?
2: I've had a rip and Beth type of thing, obviously not as intense as Beth. Um, but you know, kind of had that, and it's great until it's not, and it gets toxic and not good for you. Um, I think Casey and Monica seem to have a very, like, grown up and adult type of relationship. And I think that's probably also because Beth and Rip kind of, like, met and kind of loved each other, like, when they were, like, kids and teens, whereas Casey and Monica were a little bit older. Um, So I like the more maturity that they seem to have, uh, more so than Rip and Beth. But Rip and Beth are also just, like, fun to watch as a couple. Um, But if I would have to say like a preference for me, it would be Casey and Monica just because now being an adult, I'm like, okay, like that's, that's the type of relationship I want. Like I've had Rip and Beth and like, it's good until it's not. I want this now.
1: Same. Um, Beth and Rip are much more entertaining. I actually don't think they have a toxic relationship anymore. I think there's some, I think Beth is toxic (laughs) and I guess, you know, if two people you mix in oil and water, I guess that that's toxic. But I think they have a loving relationship built off despite their past and built off their past. Um, so they have a much more entertaining relationship. I love watching them on scene together. Rip's my favorite character, it, but Casey's number two. I would rather be in the Casey and Monica relationship. Um, it just seems like like you said, like it's just a mature relationship that's been forged through obstacles that were out of their control whether it's one person like doing the, you know providing the obstacles that they have to hop over so i'd rather be casey and monica I,
0: i'm saying casey monica for me um i'm 37 years old man i don't i don't have time or patience to deal with crazy uh in that form of fashion it's it's fun for like a one night stand and it's fun for like a nice saturday night leaving the club but like, as far as like building a relationship with I need that calming, that calming peace. And I, Monica, Monica shows that Monica gives that and Casey needs that. Casey, Casey was in, Casey's had so much trauma in his life. I'm like seeing his mother die uh, in front of him, going to war <laughs> and coming back. Like, I, I felt like Casey need needed that calmness and Monica offers that, that not many people on the show, especially, especially from, the, from the woman variety has uh, in the show, um, I mean, we've seen from Beth's mom to to Beth, to I mean, Sarah Atwood. There are a lot of very boisterous, toxic women on the on the show, and Monica she exhibits one of the the, the more normal, calming uh, presence uh, that, that, that I think that not only Casey needs but the viewers need as well. So, for sure. So after the uh, the Beth the Beth scene with with Rip, um, it's now branding season, and for me, who was a, I'm not I'm far from a cowboy. I grew up in Texas. I'm far from a cowboy that a cowboy can be, but apparently, this branding thing is a very huge thing uh, in Montana. The season for it, and Rip and John are, are, are talking about how they're gonna like corral all these cows and cattle and bring them back towards towards the, the south towards the, near the ranch. Um, Hearing that sounded stressful. Like, like, if you're John, you're trying to run a state, and 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 hearing that, like trying to bring bring 15 men on the on the ranch, like corral these cattle and brand them, sounded more stressful to going through two weeks of meetings as governor. Like it just it just sounded like an impossible task. And uh, and this 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 concern with Rip, this concern with John with this, and now they bring the idea of co-camping, um, uh, which is I believe a two-day Trek through the ranch. Um, no sleeping bags, no showers, no toilets, and they're pretty much roughing it. Uh while some teams are bring these cows back to the ranch. Um, this is the cowboy that I miss. I ain't gonna lie. Um, th- th- this is the wish that I miss for the show. I need more bunkhouse, I need I need more teeter, I need more walker. Yes. I think I think the show is missing that, and I think, and I, I mean this. I mean, I saw the, I saw the preview for next week, but it looks like you're about to see some drama doing this doing this two-day track, and you about to see a lot of bunkhouse mates characters uh, come through in this in, this, in this next this next week's episode. What are y'all thoughts of, of what this can mean for the storyline for this season with this two-day track? Uh, I'm gonna start with you, Tristan.
1: Uh, to your point, I think this two-day trek is a is a great vehicle for the show to reintroduce and like we'll reintegrate uh teeter and all those guys back into the, the main mix of the show. Um, for John, you say it sounds stressful for John. that just sounds like a vacation. Like it's like, it sounds like something he's familiar with and he could not wait to get back to like the governorship is the foreign thing. That's the stress. And he really doesn't have to do anything like, but sit through meetings and cut ribbons and shit like that. That sounds like that's killing him slowly. Um, whereas the cowboy shit is what he lives for. Um, like it was like, Rip asked him like, sir, are you going? It's like, damn right, I'm going. You <laughs> got damn right. What? John the- <laughs> doesn't. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, and this was episode six. So before uh, before we get back to, I think the the larger issue with market equities, um, and also you know with rainwater and 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 you know the lines that they have here or semi lines that they have there. Think this is a good uh, next week should be a good episode to you know kind of see these inner dynamics between those characters that we haven't seen in a while.
0: Marcy,
2: I agree. Yes, more bunkhouse, more Lloyd, more Colby, more Ryan. That is what I want to see, and I loved how Lloyd was so excited about. It. He's like, "Yeehaw, cowboy shit," which is how I felt too. Um, so I'm excited for next week's episode. Um, I would love it if they would do away with the whole stupid market equity storyline and just bring it back to the ranch and more of like these types of stories more so than like them fighting like this big, like financial corporation. Like I want to see like more things that they're dealing with at the ranch. So I loved it.
0: Absolutely. So we have some comments from the, from the podcast world. Uh, Our correspondent, Brittany, uh, who's our producer for the show. Thank you, Brittany. She says, "Rip sounds like me. I have no patience for anyone except for my dog." And knowing Brittany, that is absolutely correct. She does; she has no patience except for for Miss Luna, her uh, her corgi. And then, uh, we have a new podcast on 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 the uh, on the scene. Uh, Angie says, "I agree. I think she was talking about the the Rip uh, Beth situation." Thank you, Angie, for joining the the show today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, so 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 back to the so back to the story. Um. Yeah, man, I, I need more cowboy shit. I do. This, this is what the show. This is this is how the show brought me in. Um, the, the ranching, the the, the horseback riding of the, the action, um, cowboys get into it. The bar fights. I need more of that. Um, the market equity storyline, it's fine, but like Sarah Atwood says something, the episode before in episode four, uh, "Horses to Heaven." She said that we have the money to fight you guys for years. And I heard that, and my main concern with that was, I love Taylor Sheridan. I think he's doing a great job with the show. I don't want to see two or three seasons of market equities going back and forth. I don't. I don't want that. We need to nip this in the bud, if not this season, maybe next season, early on in this season, and move on to another another situation. Get back to more cowboy shit, because with, with that kind of storyline, it could be it could be long and drawn out, and you can lose people. So. Um, with the whole market equities, I'm I, think we're with done with it.
1: It. I think we're done with it this this season. I, I
0: hope
1: I, so. I, I mean, we just had what two episodes for the most part with uh were not really much market equities. We had like one man two minute team between. I forgot Jamie was in this episode. Yeah. Um, um. After my first watch, I was like, "Damn, we didn't see Jamie at all." And I was like, "Oh yeah, he got some in his office." <laughs> um but i think they're i don't think they're phasing out market equities right now in this particular episode but they are reintegrating like the the main elements of this show uh which which is you know the cowboy shit um before they get back to it and hopefully finish that off for good uh because this is only so much we can we can do with that there's just not much we we can't the show can't grow you know with these corporate fights I'm much more interested in, you know, what's happening with the, the natives uh with, with Rainwater and, and them. Um, and seeing that that's the conflict that the show is built off of. And I think that's where they're eventually going to get back to. Um, maybe we have to, you know, sit. Th- and then the like I said, the market equity thing is not bad. It's just like that's not the show. That's not what I want to dominate the show. I start watching this shit because I want fucking cowboy shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I want. Hell, I even want the gangster cowboy shit. You know what I'm saying? Like we can get back into that shit. And um, I look, you know, I look forward to rip, like really being maximized on that front. Uh, hopefully, to to kind of get rid of the market equity. But like before we get back there, like that's where we're at now. You know, with these camping trips, with seeing like um, summer come in and, and really start to hopefully, you know, slowly appreciate the way of life that they have. Like that's what the show is built off of, and that's when it's at its best.
0: Speaking of summer, let's talk about her real quick. So when we last left off with Summer, she gets out of jail. Um, she's going she's pretty much gonna be the environmentalist specialist for, for John. She's gonna she's gonna live out her sentence with John over these next six months um at the ranch. Um she has a scene with Carter, which I thought was which I thought was pretty important because it displayed um somewhat of a level of understanding between the two characters. Carter is an orphan himself who just, you know, who's now part of Beth and Rip's family. Um he's now be he's not been effectively assimilated into the culture now. He looks like he's 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 holding his own as a as a cowboy himself, learning the ropes, you know, has John and Rip as a mentor. Um and that so summer and him have a conversation. And I think the conversation opens up with, you know, Summer asks a question to Carter about the fire among, amongst the pastures. What is that? What, what's going on with that? Why is nobody putting it out? And he's like, uh, "I'm in the smoke." That's about smoke. He's like, "Oh, it's 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 a fire. It's happens every year. You know, it's it's just part of nature. The rain, you know, the rain will uh, will drown it out." And um, I think he says something to the effect of like, "You know, God will take care of it." And Summer's like, "Well, nature." And Carl's like, "It's what I said." So um, they both saying the same thing, just different ways of saying it. Uh, what was your thoughts, Marcy, about the interaction between Summer and Carter in that situation?
2: I really like that scene, too, again, for that exchange when she they were talking about it. Um, He's like, you know, God puts it out. He sends the rain. That's how the fire gets put out. And, you know, she said nature. Um, and again, he's like, that's what I said. I think it's great because me as like a not very religious person, like I I personally find that I find God, like, in things like nature. um. So it was just nice to kind of see that exchange and just Carter being able to um, impart some of his wisdom, because he's usually the one asking all the questions and not knowing. So it was just kind of cute to see him uh, kind of, like, showing the newbie around and just kind of schooling her a little bit. But I'm interested to see, like, if there's gonna be more to this forest fire storyline, because we did see a little bit, a little snippet of it. I think it was on the last episode at the very end, there was like a shot and there was like the smoke off in the distance and now it's closer. Uh, So I'm wondering if that's gonna have more of an impact towards uh, the end part of the season.
1: Uh, For me, that scene between uh, Carter and Summer was a perfect encapsulation one of the biggest themes of the episode which is like this middle ground is common ground um they are effectively saying the same thing right but she's speaking more so from a scientific standpoint um and he's obviously speaking more from a religious spiritual just you know these are the things that you hear like the god brings rain such and such and that would that would have been a great place and hopefully with some you know absolutely she didn't what i'm trying to say is like that would have been a good place for her to stop and say and recognize the common ground that she had with carter um vis-a-vis really the rest of the ranch the rest of the family the dutton's and so on and so forth but she could have pressed that on more like hey no actually it's science right like things go up in the air the clouds and blah 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 and we have rain and he just expected like, no, God does that. You know, so like they could have gone back and forth from that, like she does with Beth later on in the episode. Um, but she kind of stops and pauses. And I wonder in that moment when she pauses as Carter walks away, is she contemplating like, man, he, this is some really dumb shit, you know, <laughs> or is she stopping to see like, like, like we're all saying like, hey, we're really kind of saying the same. Like, so is she trying to find that common ground? Um, maybe she is, but it's not something that she continues to do because with with John, uh, they're talking about, you know, branding cattle and such and such, and he's making basically the analogy that it's no really different than you being born in, in the same process and a stranger slapping you and cutting off parts of you and so on and so forth. Like there's so many opportunities for Summer to be less combative, you know, ideologically. Um and just kind of try to see the common ground. Hopefully it wouldn't take an ass whooping uh, for her to see that. But like these, there are opportunities within this show within this episode where she's seeing like, Hey, there's some ideological differences between me and this other person. Um, but effectively we're, we're really, we're, we have the same goal. Like with Carter in, in summer, it's, Hey, you know, we're looking at this fire and we're we're talking about how this fire is going to get put out right with Car- with summer and john we're talking about the invasiveness of of being born of of life you know early life and how these, a lot of these things are out of your control once you're born whether you're animal or human and obviously with beth later like there's a care for like animals and such that both sides have just in different ways so like a- again summer gradually is trying is finding this common ground um through blood sweat <laughs> a lot of blood um and i think she would have been better served kind of taking that lesson in a moment uh in the scene with carter and then you know maybe we don't get the scene later on like the, the, the zenith of this episode later
0: yeah i agree I, I think for summer you're gonna be here for six months so why not use that time to like Actually, learn from these people, see their point. It's kind of like with John in, in the previous episode with the um, with the policy meeting and firing the whole staff and not not giving a, not giving them a chance to speak to to speak their position and and kind of have a common ground and, and commence and, and 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 come to a better uh, conclusion of what you need to do for the you know for the education system for solar panels or whatever. Same with summer, man. Like you have opportunity to like see how they live and try to get a better understanding why they do what they do. And use that use that for your future position as a as a um, as a, a environmental advisor, and to be so combative in somebody else's home <laughs> of all people. Like, I wish it didn't take an ass whooping for um, her to for her to, get to, for her to un- have that better understanding of like hearing people out before before speaking, being, compat- uh, being combative. Now, for TV purposes, it was great to see that ass whooping that w- that we're going to talk about um, in a minute. But for the most part, I think summer. Summer has the smartest woman in the room disease and I feel like she hasn't been challenged enough coming up and she's always, she's always on the defense. Like she's a protester. Like most of her adult life, she's protested and been on the fence to try to push her agendas. And a lot of times when you're protesting, you know, white picket fencing and all that, you're not hearing the other side. You're just speaking your side. And I think this is a, a prime opportunity for her to understand that this is the time for me to like hear this, hear their side. And try to try to find common ground. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna be interesting to see over the next six months how summer's gonna um, survive this and learn from this as well.
1: Stop by shutting the fuck up. Like she didn't even know like the respiratory system of animals that eat grass. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like these people know way more about animals than you do. Like, come on. Like that's a perfect opportunity. To, like just learn. Like I like this. There's literally no reason for her to be as combative like I think there's there's space for her to um to voice her passions like, I understand you're a vegan, you don't believe in eating meat and eating animals and eating meat i totally get that like that's a very common thing, but even vegans some vegans um find a the time and place to insert like their um their reticence to eat meat like and she's just you know. She's all full speed ahead. In a sense, the show kind of places her as, you know, a parallel to Beth in a certain way, Um, which comes to a head at the end of the episode. But we see like the seeds of that being planted, like they're both passionate about their side and they both can be uh, really one sided towards, you know, different perspectives. Um, And that comes to a head.
0: Absolutely. Marcy. I have a question for you. So for Summer, what do you think, what's going to come of a character um, over the next six months of being on this ranch?
2: Um, that's a good one. I hope that after this, again, she is more open to just learning from them and seeing that as an opportunity, right? That's like the basis of compromise. You learn from the other person, you listen to them, listen to what they have to say. And then then you're able to present your view and your side. And then hopefully you can come together um, and compromise and be able to teach each other lessons. So that's what I'm hoping. Um, But obviously, like the show needs drama. So probably going to be some more drama, maybe not with Beth, but um, just other types of drama. I'm assuming otherwise, like if everything's just happy go lucky, then there's really no point
0: absolutely absolutely um so later on the episode so we all know monica's been through a lot she lost she lost her baby um she had had a a stillborn i guess i guess you could say a stillborn child um and john and, and her son john um but throughout all of this uh hoopla and 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 trauma we forget to to see how uh casey's doing and the scene opens up the next scene opens up with casey just pretty much just sobbing just really just struggling and not coming to grips with everything that's happened over the last, I guess however couple of weeks that that, her, that his family's been through. Um Tristan, talk about that scene, man. Like, what did you what did you take from that uh as far as Casey's trauma, what he's going through?
1: <clears throat> um, I think Casey has learned, um, either intentionally or unintentionally, uh, due to his experiences in, in battle and in combat, to suppress uh a lot of these feelings and it's not even really just being in battle it's just being a man you know it's it's something that we is kind of drilled into us since birth especially in that family and in that world of suppressing um these vulnerable feelings so it's interesting that at the actual burial no tears you know, like as it's happening, as as the the body's getting laid down, as the dick putting dirt on it, no tears. Everybody else, Monica's in tears, um, and the only time we see that emotion is as he's alone, um, not thinking that his wife can see him, because when she, you know, pops up, he, you know, kind of jumps, wipes wipes his face, and you know, the regular man shit. Um, so I, I think it's it's an encapsulation of. How hard it is a lot of times, uh, even when trauma hits really, really, really close to home, how hard it is for some men uh to remove a lot of that really hard exterior and be vulnerable in front of, you know, your wife, woman, whatever, some anybody else. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting that they made sure that he was the only time he showed some type of not grief, he showed some type of grief um, was far away from Monica uh to the point where he felt like he had to hide that. So and I, I think that that definitely um comes from obviously being a Dutton, uh, you know, not being able to show weakness. Uh that comes from man, maybe he's all cried out. Like you said, he, he showed he saw his mother die. You know, right in his face. Like he's seen people die. He's killed people. Like maybe maybe as, as viewers we forget that this, you know, despite how hard Casey is and despite how much really of a gangster Casey is, he's just a man who has feelings and he just lost, you know, his second son. Um, and it it has to hit. You know, his family means a lot to him. You know, both families. Um, and I think also he thinks I think Casey feels guilt. I think he, he yeah, definitely feels guilt. You know, Monica asked him, like, why aren't you doing your job? And he's like, I don't want this to come between us. I think. That. There's been so many other things. I don't think Casey loved being um, a commissioner, a livestock agent. Um, he's really good at it. But I don't think he loved doing it because it took him away from his family. And he, I think he always feared something happening uh, while he was away doing his work. And it happened. So, obviously, the guilt is flaring up as well. So, that's it's a lot of guilt. It's a lot of grief. And it's a lot of um, hidden vulnerability that Monica just brings out of him. Like, he's able to be vulnerable around Monica uh in a way that he can't be around the rest of his family
0: i mean he he, he even said in, in the scene like he he told monica like if i'm if i'm there you're not you're not in the situation you're in and monica had to shut him down like no we're not we're not doing that we're not playing the blame game on ourselves and making it more tough on ourselves um i think it's a twofold thing too um i in the beginning of the series john and casey are, are at odds like i don't know how long it, i don't know how long how, long, how many years time had passed but john wasn't around Casey and vice versa, and I think I think Casey in a way is trying to overcompensate from his from his um, childhood with the uh, the the awkwardness between him and John, and trying to close that gap with, with not only Tate but but his uh, his wife Monica. And was that season two where they they had a slight separation after everything happened, and you know Monica was in recovery, and that separation I, I think too was a precursor to what. Casey is going through now, and with that vision he had last season, um, you know, at that camp with, with the wolf, I think any type of I think any type of uh, threat that's gonna that's gonna get away with his family, he's gonna see that as a potential end, and I think I think that's gonna be like just more more shouldering of of, of those boulders uh, that, that he's gone through over the last couple of seasons with his family and and the threat of losing his family. Um, Marcy, what did you uh, take from that scene uh, with, with Casey?
2: Um, again, I echo Tristan's point about just him just being a man. It's hard, I'm sure, to have emotions, but feel like you can't show your emotions. Um, so I'm glad that he was able to then be a little bit vulnerable with Monica. I think we saw, again, that maturity of their relationship come out. Um, so I really, really liked that scene, um, even though it was just pretty short and nothing really happens, but it kind of, again, gives us a little bit more of a glimpse into just how they're feeling and processing everything and just uh, to see how they kind of deal with things as a couple. And then him again, staying as a livestock agent, uh, maybe that's also going to play into the rest of the season, right? Maybe he'll be kind of um, doing some more livestock agent things uh, that will be important later on.
1: And also, I think it's very interesting, maybe a subtle uh, nod that the show is doing that. Casey is uh, being haunted by what he thinks is the future. Beth is haunted by the past. Like so, something, to, something to keep an eye on.
2: That's a great point.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't catch that until. Yeah, I didn't catch that. That's 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 a very good point. Um, another thing about Casey too that I want to say. I love Casey. Casey's my Casey's my second favorite character on the show. Um, and for me, I need more Casey flashbacks. I need to see why Casey, the way he is now, I need to see the remnants of the trauma that he had coming up. What I mean, we saw him as a small child losing his mother uh, with the horse falling on her. But outside of that, we don't get much. Like, I want to know why he went to war. I want, I want to know what was the 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 uh, the immediate residual effects of losing his mother. I want to see all of that because it, it might it might give us a a, a insight look of understanding Casey a lot more and seeing why he he's so fearful of losing his family. Um, hopefully, we get it maybe this season or next season. But man, Damn.
1: you'll see it on the next Taylor Sheridan show, two thousand and four. <laughs> <laughs> get all your flesh everything you need, right there.
0: <laughs> right, right. But yeah, I just, I just, he's, he's such a compelling character, man. And he's very complex. And like, I, I feel like a lot of, the, a lot of bloodline really falls on him too. Like, you got to remember, like, Beth can't have kids. Jamie's not a, Jamie's not a de- biologically. So that, that aspect as well, there's a lot of like pressure on him too. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's on purpose, but like, with everything's going on, with market equities and the land and, you know, Casey and Tate are the key. So I, I I would love to see more of that take effect as far as like the, the feature of this ranch falling on, on, on Casey and his son and, and his future sons and daughters to come.
1: That's some Targaryen shit right there.
0: Hey man, Game of Thrones got me on some like on some like secession type shit, bro. Game of Thrones I, and Secession always ha- now I think about I think about legacy, I think about Dynasty. I, all this shit is because of those two damn shows. And I and, and it, it makes me so mad. <laughs> but you know, I love it, I love it. Okay, so let's talk about Jamie and Sarah Atwood. Man, so last time we saw them, uh Jamie and I have my notes. Uh Jamie Goofy ass fell into the pussy again. <laughs> so that's the, that's the, I have that in my notes. So from the from the last episode, Jamie meets with Sarah. They 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 they're going, they're playing footies going back and forth at the bar. They get it in at, in the in the bathroom. Star Beth Beth still happens to be there. She she steals uh Sarah's driver's license and you know they're getting it in. So fast forward to this week, um, Jamie's about to close shop at the office. Sarah comes in for a six p.m. that a six p.m. meeting was on Jamie's calendar. Um and he and she pretty much unofficially says the reason why 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 she uh hit on him and was because um, for litigation purposes, Jamie will have to recuse recuse himself which leads me to believe that certainly you a homework because uh, Jamie comes right back and says well as a litigator I, I'm not I'm not it's going to be an outside litigator I'm not I have nothing to do with this uh this case between between uh uh Market Equities and and uh and in in uh and us in the ranch so um let's talk about that 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 uh that interaction what do you guys think I'll start with you, Tristan. What do you guys think Sarah I was really trying to get at? And do you think that's really her plan or is she just saying that and she has, like, like another uh, another plan to, like, try to trip up Jamie?
1: This is long Kong central. Um, I think Jamie feels like, oh, I got her on this point. That's that. No, 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 no. I think she um, – you know, I think she planted that seed of um, – you know, trying to get him to recuse themselves and such and such. Knowing, I think she knew that the, the state out, hires outside litigation. I think she knew that. So it's long con. Now you think you won. Now I'm going to give you some more of the, <laughs> and now I'm going to keep this long con going. Uh, short scene, but it, it just, it, it just continues to show like the lack of street smarts from Jamie. Um, a thing that another thing that differentiates himself from the re, the uh, the real Duttons uh the actual duttons so much but it's she, yeah he's getting played and he he looks like a kid like next to her. like she's much like i don't know if it's because she's way taller than him but like he just seems so kid like when when she stands up and like is aggressive um and he's just like like oh my god somebody's gonna give me something like and i think also jamie's searching for i think i said this last week like validation he's searching for some type of love he's searching for some type of um being desired by somebody else uh whether it be john whether it be sarah whether it be whoever beth whatever uh but this is a long con and um i think she won the first battle in that and she's gonna keep continue playing them uh well i think we'll see hopefully next episode like what her true plan is uh if not this is something that'll be like one of the like in the last few episode type things, like Jamie, you really, really fucked up. And this is how it's going to create this this larger obstacle for John to jump over, John and Beth to hop over.
0: Marcia, what about you?
2: I saw that scene a little bit differently because I remember last week I was like, oh my gosh, Jamie's so stupid. He's obviously getting played. It's a setup. But in this scene, it kind of, for me, it seemed a little bit like he knew what her game was. And then he's like, oh, well, if that was your game, like, didn't you know that the state of Montana hires outside counsel? So I don't have to recuse myself. So then it, there was something maybe in the way that West Bentley played it, like his face just made me feel like, oh, like, are you like in turn playing her? Like, are you that smart, Jamie? Um, So that has me wondering that now. Um, but then again, also like when she starts, you know, opening her dress then he's like yeah like let's let's do it again like whatever um so yeah now I'm more interested to see what Jamie does next um especially because I read something online where somebody was arguing that they think Jamie's actually going to be the last Dutton standing and uh, keep the ranch so we'll see like is Jamie that smart I don't know
0: I think Jamie is smart, but when it comes to women and pussy, he 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 turns into a, a thirteen year old boy that's going through puberty. I, I, it's it's amazing to me, and I think Jamie was a virgin until he had until he got old girl. I know Beth teased about it in season two. I think he was a virgin, and like the lack of experience with women really placates on his lack of experience with like just relationship outside of like litigation and like being a lawyer. He has, he, and I like just said his 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 feeling of being needed and being validated and being and 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 being propped on a, pe- a pedestal really showcases through his 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 uh, insecurities and like and and even with Beth like he dwarfs like he, he, he James not a, a smart dude but when it comes to his his experience and his insecurities he dwarfs in size it seems like on live on TV when it whether it was with Sarah Atwood whether it was Bev Dutton and I hope I hope for his purpose And and for his livelihood, that he's really playing playing uh, uh, Sarah Atwood, but from the outside looking in, it it just looks like it's more of just inexperienced Jamie not knowing, not knowing how to handle situations when it comes to like um, women and and just being very inexperienced and and looks like a, a guy going through puberty again.
1: I I think I think Sarah, her whole goal from the jump, like when they were first watching the press conference uh with with john um with a swearing in and she they they all identify him as a mark like this they like this was like a unanimous thing amongst everybody watching like oh that's the mark right there um so that's why i think it's a long con i think you know hey she was like hey we have sex once you know i think she planned that obviously um he'll think that he has one over me because this and that keep doing it more and more and more. Like he's going to start to, you know, trust her a little bit, maybe, you know, spill some information. Like what, I don't know where Jamie can go wrong here. I've been hoping I've been silently rooting for Jamie, not necessarily because I like his character. I don't, because he's been so, he's been so far on the opposite side in the negative like it has to turn for him as far as like getting respect uh, from his family. Get, you know, obviously he's respected in his job because he's really good at it, but there's not a lot of respect for Jamie Dutton, the person. So I'm really, I've been kind of silently hoping that he gains some of that. And if he gets played by Sarah Edward, then that's a wrap.
0: I I often forget that he's, that he's AG. I often do because the way he cares himself, he, he carries himself as he's a as he's a first year play, paralegal at a at a at a top top 20 law firm in, in the state. He looks very inexperienced and very low 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 of confident. Um I have nothing against Jamie. I mean, outside of the hysterectomy deal and then killing that reporter in season three or season two. Those are the only two things I ever have an issue with. But again, in, in those situations, especially with the reporter, as fucked up as it was, in this world, he did he he did what he needed to do to protect his family. And but and, and protect the the ranch, but yeah, I, I need I need Jamie to sh- to let his nuts drop um this season and hopefully hopefully it happens. So last but damn sure not least, uh, the dinner scene. Um, so Marcy watched this Sunday night and I was wa- I was I was watching the the football game, and Marcy texted me. She's like, "Hey, you're gonna love this scene. You will love this song uh, this episode. Beth gets it in again, and." I was like, man, it's Beth progressing again. Like, what's like? I I had it up to here with Beth as far as like the 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 character uh, the character dysfunction of, of of the lack of the lack of patience the the, the explosion of of a character, but I can I can vehemently say that this was needed, <laughs> and not many times I actually side with Beth, but this was needed. So to kind of so the kind of, start of this scene so. Um, monica and casey come over so they have dinner as a family for one of the, the very rare times of the show the whole, the duns are together um well outside of jamie and beth and carter and and rip are in the other room having dinner and john's like nah fuck that we're gonna have a, a family dinner i don't see our guys that often you know before we do our our, our two-day trek tomorrow i want to have, have dinner as a family so before the before the dinner actually starts and Gator brings out the food. Uh, John took, John goes to the next room. Tells Beth, uh, Rip and Carter, come over, come over to the next room. And tells Beth, "Hey, ain't got nothing to say. Nice. Don't say don't say shit at all." And what happens? The minute that Beth sits down, she glances the room, the, the dinner table. She's like, "Oh, the family's here, and my dad's assistant, and the hooker." <laughs> Talking about summer. Um what were, your, what were your thoughts initially? Not, don't, let's not get to the, the actual scene, just yet the fight. But let, let's talk about, like, your initial thoughts when Beth uttered those words as she sat down. Marcy.
2: Well, you know, John's first mistake was inviting Beth. Like, leave well enough alone. Just leave her and Rip and Carter at the other table. Um, but, yeah, as soon as she sat down, she starts being antagonistic. So, you know, that's going to set the scene for, like, other people to be antagonistic so it was just kind of hilarious to watch because i think it was a great ensemble scene even though the other characters didn't really have like a lot of dialogue just seeing their expressions that was just a really really fun scene for me especially gator she caught him off guard summer caught him off guard and that was i'm just really funny to just watch him kind of explain everything for
1: me it was like uh we were talking about this um Pre pre episode, but like John is essentially asking a scorpion not to be a scorpion. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're gonna sit here and you're not gonna say anything, you're gonna you know be nice or say nothing at all. Like facts. This is a 40-year-old, uh, petulant, um, very privileged, um, really smart, pit bull. Like, and you're you basically say, Hey, pit bull, don't be a pit bull. She's a pit bull. And what was funny to me was is that Rip completely understands that Beth is a pit bull, and he completely understands that you cannot ask her to not be a pit bull. You just have to put her in a situation where she just can't bite anybody, right? John puts her across from a piece of meat, and <laughs> like this is this is a shark. John, what, what the fuck are you talking? But that that so that told me a couple things. One, John's kind of lost touch with who Beth is because of who he wants her to be um two john also sees beth as a child still and the way he he talks about beth and the rest of his kids is still really patriarchal considering they are 40 and you know or slightly below or you know or slightly above whatever um and those are two main things that he has to reconcile um especially because beth in a sense is a lot like john And he has to reconcile those things before he puts Beth in certain positions because Beth is going to be Beth and he has to learn how to control that. Like this is, you know, we can start Russell Westbrook and ask him to be a a setup point guard or we can bring his ass off the bench where he's best. And we have to put Beth in the best positions uh, to not, if not to succeed, but to not fuck shit up. And John, he's, he's been fucking up in that uh, in a sense. So, that's what those are the two main takeaways I got from that before we get to the major part of that, that dinner scene.
2: And it was funny because she said before, she's like, Well, I'm trying to teach Carter some manners, and that completely flies out the window when they're in the actual dining room.
0: I, I think was funny too, like 30 minutes before that, that scene happens, um, Beth and John are having a conversation outside, outside the cabin, like on the porch. And best pretty much is telling john how, how she truly feels about Summer. like look she's a snake i don't trust her she's you know whether it was and she and she, she pretty much named all the adversaries from the last couple seasons uh, i can't remember the guy's name from season one but um that that, that one the, the you know the casino and the in the and, the, and the, the condos and all of that to market equities to now and she's like he she just another one of 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 the many characters trying to threaten your livelihood and this ranch, and you have to understand, um, my 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 job is to protect you, pops. This this is my job. Now, how I do it, you might not agree with, but you know me, and 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 putting me in a situation to where I'm going to strike and, and use my venom, and expect me not to use my venom is asinine. So to have that conversation with John um, th- that same day in the daytime, and then for John to viral a to dinner, thinking that she's going to be in the best behavior shows me that John thinks that he still has that that power grip authority over these grown ass people. Like they're not kids anymore. These are these are these are grown ass adults with their own ambitions, with their own mindsets and ideologies. And you have to understand John, just because you are the you are that dude and governor, that don't mean shit. You know what I mean? Politicians have have issues with their kids uh and and have to keep their kids out of the media and and, and keep their family out of out of media scrutiny. You're no different, you're not above that. So, I thought that was very, that was very, uh, not smart <laughs> by uh, by Mr. Dutton. So, um, as we go through our dinner, so after after the pleasantries that that Beth shares with the, the table in summer, um, Gator brings out an assortment of game, you know, uh, I believe it was dove and uh, venison and and uh, and I can't remember what, what else he brought. I think, I think it was Duck. And like as as, as Gator is, is like listing what's on here, summer is just, just criticizing everything, everything that he's bringing out. Oh, Duck, you know Duck's mate for life. Uh uh Benison? Oh, so 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 this is this is the this is the thing that you killed just the day before. Um, Dove, you know, Dove is a symbol of peace. And Beth is already at this point where she's like, Man, fuck this shit. Let's go outside. Let's what's up? So my question is: When Beth pretty much asked her to come outside, <laughs> what did y'all what What did y'all think? Um, how do y'all think that was going to end? As far as them going outside, uh, did, did y'all think that they going not come to a, a common ground? Y'all think it was going to be a combustible uh, situation to where someone was going to storm the house and leave the house? What What was y'all initial thoughts when that when when they went outside, Tristan?
1: I definitely thought common ground was going to be reached. Um I just thought both of them were going to be on the ground. Um, <laughs> my my experiences in life have sharpened my senses to understand when a fight is imminent, <laughs> right? When violence is is afoot, um, and when somebody says, "Hey, let's go take a walk," man, I've I've been in positions where I've been asked to take said walk, where I've asked other people to take said walk, where I've been a bystander. hey let's go take a walk outside there's no other way that that, that's going to end than in fisticuffs like so i knew there was going to be i knew there's going to be violence i knew that but i definitely did think um that i thought that was best way and this is before they actually start fighting i thought that was best way of like trying to force summer towards them towards that common ground it's like, hey, we're gonna take this walk. We're gonna fight, and then like that, and then we'll be cool. I, I thought that was gonna be like the natural thing. Um, I didn't see it being as as long. I didn't see it being as drawn out, as kind of uncomfortable in certain ways. But I knew a fight was happening. Like there was no, I, I don't know what else. What, what the fuck are you gonna take a walk in this big ass fucking <laughs> seven acre? Like what the fuck? No, 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 no. We're taking a walk to this front yard, and we're about to get get it in on that that uh, front.
0: In all seriousness, and, 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 and I'm, I'm gonna say this real quick cool before I let Marcy talk. In all seriousness, I was so sort of turned on by that scene of them going back and forth and fighting, of because course. Beth and, and you know what's funny about that scene when when Summer was using her jujitsu, I rewound I it like four times. I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna let this fight in. I gotta see Beth kind of had this. Beth's talking shit. Why this girl is using jujitsu on her? That's how I know she's a bad motherfucker. Like, she's talking. She, this, this woman is a trained martial artist, and she don't give a flying fuck. And I was like, Man, that's a bad. I see why Rip loves this motherfucker so much. That's three. A brothers. Bad motherfucker. Ask um, any girl
1: with three brothers, well, <laughs> two or more brothers. Those, that, those are the problems you do not want. Anybody? No,
0: not at all. No, not I'm at all.
1: Telling you. <laughs> Marcy, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, again. Like, Tristan, I was like, oh, shit, it's going to go down. I didn't know, again, it would be so drawn out. It was pretty violent. It was hard to watch at first. Like, okay, like, yes, get it in, like, whatever. Um, And Frank, I thought about you. I was like, oh, he's probably going to love this. Um, I loved when Rip came out, too, and was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're being ridiculous. So, like, for Rip to be the voice of reason, right? Like, the enforcer, the guy that takes people to the train station like you look like kids what are you doing you look fucking ridiculous but then he was like okay like you each hit each other until like you can't go anymore that was that was really hard to watch that was just so violent and especially at the end where like beth's going at summer she just like flinches um so it was it was good it was drawn out it was hard to watch um but hopefully that means that they can again find some common ground and Beth won't be so volatile towards her. But again, we don't know because later on, you know, she still says something kind of petty, even though she takes it back. She's like, okay, yeah, I forgot. We're not doing this anymore. Progress. Um, <laughs> so um, hopefully that means things will calm down a little bit.
1: I, like I, I def, definitely, I think that was the common ground. Like I, I think what I, what I really, really noticed on the second watch with Rip uh, so Rip goes from being like utterly disgusted with both of them, uh, and tells him like, "Like I don't even see how you can respect yourself." Like this is this is, but Rip talking about Beth that that's as far as I've seen him go as far as like actual moral disgust. um But I think he sees why she does it at the end, like when she's like, "What?" When they're going in the house and he like kind of gives it a nod, like, "Okay, I I, I understand." Like rip for rip violence isn't necessarily a means to the end violence is the end like like you said he's enforcer guy you know when he inflicts violence it's like i'm inflicting violence and there's nothing after this right either you're going to back all the way down or you're dead or whatever like violence is the end and for beth she's using that violence to to force or to demonstrate for summer like hey i'm somebody you need to respect this is how respect is shown right and if you don't show respect this is what happens and on that point i salute 100 percent because again from the way i understand life (laughs) like saying or doing certain things will get you hit that's just that's just it's two plus two equals four to me um so there is a altruism in beth not necessarily continuing to go back and forth or not even engaging with Summer at the table and going back and forth about this food and such and such for Beth, she took all that as a sign of disrespect. You're talking, you're talking about the way we live, the way we eat, uh, the way we feed feed ourselves, feed our children. That is disrespect and disrespect can only be handled one way. Right. Um, So like this is Beth's altruistic way of finding common ground of kind of being political with, with Summer. Like, hey, we're going to fight this out. And then I, I think Beth is also, um, that's her way of respecting um, Summer. It's like, hey, we, we went through this fight. We went back and forth. Now I can respect you now enough to, have to to engage. Now, you see, after the fight, she was willing to engage with her about food, about veganism and such and such, like uh, eating meat. But she couldn't do that before because she just had no respect for, for Summer, like zero. Probably negatives, you know, negative ten, negative twenty uh, percent respect, and like it took that fight for that that common mutual respect to be shown. Uh, which again, this is a big tenet of the way I see life. <laughs> so I get Beth. I don't I don't necessarily agree with the tactic. Like it's hard for me to see two dudes fighting these days, right? At thirty seven, um, so it's definitely really hard to see two women fighting, like just you know, Brad, Barb, bare knuckles, whatever fighting. But ultimately, it led to where it should have led to, which is um, them kind of seeing coming to that middle ground, to so they can engage on these issues. And I think you asked you asked Marcy earlier, like where do we where do you see Summer's character going the rest of the season? I think that's where where she's meant to be is like um, a adversarial ally, right? Like somebody close to John who can. Push him on ways that he wouldn't necessarily be pushed because he's uh, encapsulated in this bubble, right? This rancher's bubble and his interest here where he's going to need somebody to say, hey, you need to think about this on an environmental, you know, environmental lens. I teach this. I teach kids to look at look at the same topic through different lenses. Right. We can look at it from a political lens, look at it from an environmental lens, a social lens, like just understanding these different perspectives. And, and you talked about it with John earlier about, like, firing, you know, his staff, firing these people, he's canceling meetings, he's um, not going to ribbon cuttings, not going to the school. He needs somebody to say, hey, no, actually, this is how it should go, right? It's somebody he respects. And Clara could be that person. Uh, I think he he's slowly gaining more respect for her. But Summer can be that, uh, that for him on the uh, environmental side, which he needs.
0: A couple a couple points um I want to make too. Um so prior to the fight, um uh, so we all know Monica been through a lot. I mean, losing the baby, you know, the the the, the torture, the mental torture of regretting uh, the decision of driving, you know, to the hospital. That and there wasn't much interaction with the family at the dinner table, but that single solitom, that single solitom, uh solidarity moment with her and Casey kind of like looking looking off and like. They're uncomfortable, but they're laughing at the same time. It was a moment of escape for them from what they've been through the last couple of weeks, and seeing Monica laugh made me so happy, because with Monica's character, there hasn't been much happiness in her arc. Dating back from season one, I mean, she got she got knocked the fuck out. She almost died. You know what I'm saying? Her and her son Tate got attacked in John's house in season three when the when when the when the assassins came in, losing a baby. There was there hasn't been much happiness for her. So to see that laugh and to see her happy made me happy, even though it came to the expense of someone kind of gonna ass whooping. But it made me happy seeing her happy. But um, and on top of that too, for the dinner the, the dinner scene, um, Rip's MVP because Rip of our people and Marcy said this earlier, be the voice of reason and to like show concern. I know that's his wife, but to like for him to be the 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 person to mend everything, not John. Not KC, not even Monica, but for Rip to be that that guy light to say, you know what, enough's enough. We're gonna we're gonna end this here and and drop nuggets of advice for both parties after the fight was over. With. That that it, it made sense to me seeing that that flashback scene in the beginning of it, and uh, uh, and I can't say it's really a turn of Rip's character. Maybe Rip has always been this way. I I, I don't know because dealing with Beth for as long as you 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 dealt with a woman who's who is this prime or this toxic, you either become more of that or you or you become against that and you try to find other ways of settling issues. And, and seeing that from Rip really made me happy. For Beth purposes, um, I've been very frustrated with Beth over the last season, over the last really seven, eight episodes, because I feel like it was just more of the same. And yes, this, this was more violence, but it came with a, a conclusion and common ground afterwards. And for the way that the Duns have grown up, they, you know, bullets flying, fist of cuffs to, to, for her to be who she is. To me, that was, that was a great developing moment for her because, you know, she didn't respect summer at first to, to, to have that fight. That fight was a mark of the great debate between, between two ideologies, between two ways of living and for Beth even close the gap to say, Hey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I beat your ass, but we gotta ha- we gotta talk about this. You're gonna be here for six months. We need to have some type of understanding to where this doesn't happen again. And to see that, you know it came from a uh it came from uh the reserve of ass whooping, but to see her grow from that and not just run off and go drink a bottle of liquor in the in a bunkhouse or whatever, that made me proud to see that. So um that was a that was a, a good a good developing moment for her. And um and for John to be so frustrated and for Rip to come and save the day. That perfect storm, which it's just made for a perfect scene. Um, so yeah. So um, any more thoughts about about that scene?
1: I mean, it, it just goes just rip. I mean, we didn't we didn't really talk about the the saddling scene um, with hmm. Rip and Beth, but Rip, like I said, not just voice or reason, but just understanding the moment, right? Like with with Beth, like when she was being prideful, not afraid to admit that she wanted to go. Um, because you know she doesn't know how to be vulnerable uh a la Casey um like Rip just knew what to say in the moment like he understands her he understands what she needs in the moment and that's why I think they have a really beautiful relationship that is just chaotic you know maybe not toxic but it's a little chaotic uh because Beth is t- chaotic and I think Rip is trying to get a lot of the chaos out of him um and he's just growing into the man that you know he's supposed to be like uh, Obviously, he's learned from John. He's learned from experience. He's learned from the things he didn't have. Um, and what we see now is a well-developed, you know, murdering <laughs> um, uh, rip. And, he again, he's my favorite character in the show. I, I love seeing his growth from him. And it definitely showed in a, in a scene. Like, he just understood what to say. He understood how to use his voice as authority when he needed to. And he also understands when not. To be authoritative like he could have said hey you're going or hey stop fighting or he could have told beth earlier like hey uh, i'm gonna sit here and wait for you to tell me that you want to go with me on this trip and he was able to adapt based on the situation and again i, I couldn't be more prouder of a character development from season one to now like he he's a man man not just a man because of how gangster he is or because of like the violent things he does because he understands how to treat every almost almost how to treat everybody based on who they are and based on the situation like he still has some room to grow uh carter <laughs> he uh he definitely has some room to grow on some issues but from where he started to where he is now this is like a uh a big achievement in character development for uh for taylor sheridan in the, the sheridan cinematic universe
0: Great discussion. Let me pause because we got so wrapped up with this great dialogue. So, Brittany talks about Rip. She says, "Sounds like uh, no." So, I'm sorry. Uh, Cash me outside. How about that? Uh, Inferring to Beth and Summer fighting. Um, Another, (laughs) another comment from Brittany is: Is Rip related to Cersei? I hope not. Uh, I don't. (laughs) For for the for the faith of humanity, I hope she's not related to Cersei. But. um, no, um, I think Rip is more. If I was to compare Rip to a Game of Thrones character, I'd probably say Kyle Drogo, maybe. Jamie. Okay, I can see Jamie. Okay, I can see Jamie. I can see, he Jamie. see Jamie. But Rip wasn't viewed as a bad guy though at first. He should have been. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people he's
1: killed. God damn
0: man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he did for good the family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so last but not least, uh, let's talk about, so after the dinner scene, John and Rupert have a conversation in, in, in the other room um, after John clears, clears the table and um, some nuggets by John, man, some, some cringy nuggets, but nuggets nonetheless. John talks about you know the handling of Beth growing up and like um, hoping that Beth would just get out of her wild ways and how Beth has grown even more wild and, and how he doesn't really understand her anymore uh i don't think beth i don't think john ever john ever really did understand beth but um but what really caught my attention is that john's talking about his kids right and he's like you know out of my children um there's one i miss which i think he's talking about lee because lee died in season one um there's one i there's one i pity casey yeah pity 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 first yeah casey Mm-hmm. Um, when I regret, <laughs> I was like, fuck, no, no regret though. Jamie, um, and the one I envy. At least
1: he's acknowledging him as a child because earlier he said, "I that's my only son we, when we're referring to Casey. So, Hey.
0: <laughs> which, which threw me off between him saying that in the same episode, what changed? I, I don't, I don't know what changed. Was this a moment of anger when he said that I just had one son. Um, I don't know what, what changed with that?
1: That's a great question. I I think when he's talking to – I think what changes is who he's talking to. Um, With Rip, I don't – I'm trying to – I'm really trying to to get a handle on John and Rip this season because there should be some dynamic changing between them, and I I think John was trying to force the dynamic change last season. Um, Like, hey, come live with with me in my house, and, like, Rip was – Rip could only see John as His a boss. type of paternal figure, like a boss, yes. like a mentor, you know, a, you know, a sensei, if you will. Like, and the dynamic change from that to son-in-law. When I think John has always seen Rip as some type of son, but like a distant son, um, you know, at least blood-wise. But I'm interested in seeing like how when when that shift is gonna happen like you know rip is still calling them sir and maybe in some some uh, families you call you know the head of the household sir forever regardless of your schooling his wife with like i mean his daughter um but like we should i think we should see some dynamic change so like when he's talking about his children and he's talking about you know um alluding to jamie um i don't know like I feel like part of it is John kind of making way for Rip to take Jamie's place as son, but we, I just, there's, there's not enough there with their dialogue to support it. So I'm just, I, I, maybe it's just kind of hopeful, but I don't know what to make of that. Also like, wouldn't it be kind of controversial for him to tell Clara that uh, Jamie's not his son? Like th- maybe he's told her like, those are some off things, off screen things that I think should be seen uh those that's kind of a plot hole that i found in that episode you know but I, I,
0: took, well, I took that with Clara as him being mad at jamie not him not him admitting that jamie is not biological his son after everything after everything that, after, after that has transpired in the previous season with him being ag and and pretty much doing what jamie does i i didn't take that as him, as him admitting that that's not that's not biological his son to clara
2: Yeah, that was a hard scene to watch of him just talking about his kids and um, you see him just kind of like reflect a lot. Um, Yeah, and it was hard for him, you know, to hear him say that he regrets Jamie because although Jamie has done bad things, he's also done a lot of things to protect John and to protect the family. Um, So I think also John maybe doesn't see some of those things sometimes.
1: I also took that scene um, as... John kind of reflecting on the the new world he's entering in as governor um, is like hey, basically he's saying like, it's like the Game of Thrones thing, like everybody wants to scheme, everybody wants to plot like, um, and like, that's a world he's not used to, like, he, again, he wants people to come shake his hand and come knock on my door, have a meeting. And so much of this, so much of his world is subtle. And he's really old to be opting into this new world trying to learn these new tricks. Um, And he was just reflecting with Rip, like, Hey, like the world we're entering the world that I've entered in as governor. It takes me so far away from the things that I know. And I love. And what's interesting is the very next scene is they're right. They're saddling up, you know, eating breakfast, getting ready to saddle up to take this trip because that's where he's comfortable. Right. That's his, that's his happy place. Even though, I mean, you're in the mountains, you know, obviously we got wolves on the loose. Um, Like there's so much danger and so many things that can happen. Um, And he's just comfortable there. Like this is what he, you know, yeehaw, (laughs) you know, so um, like I took that scene really as just him kind of bitching about the job that he has and does not want and how much he would just rather be in his element.
0: And to add on to that too, I took that as well as, as John kind of conceding to look, I don't get Beth, but you do. And anything that comes up and any type of situation or issues that come out of this, you are going to, you're going to be the lead on that to, to be the Beth handler per se, to keep kind of not keep Beth in check, but to like, to really in Beth when she, when she acts out, because like John was over that, that did not say so he was over it. He was like, he was like, fuck it. Like I, I give up. I, there's nothing I can do. Like, she's not listening to me and rip you know, being the Beth whisperer was able to like diffuse the situation best way that he could, um, without much more bluster that could have been. Um, And I think I think John's seen that because I I don't think John actively has seen Rip calm Beth down or, or have a situation to where they come to an agreement about something and, and 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 they can they can just call it a day. And I think John's witnessing Rip how far he he has has come along with Beth. I think John, I think Rip, uh, I mean John, which John always has a respect for Rip. He always will, but I think John has a newfound respect for Rip in that regard of how he handles Beth. Um, but no, that that was a that was a powerful scene because you never really, very really, you hear John talk about all four of his kids in that manner, especially in one time, um, and it was it made me cringe. It made me cringe, especially the, when you coincide a child with regrets. Um, that's rough. That's that's tough, um, and and to say it out loud is man, it's that's that's very very tough. I, I don't I don't know I, I didn't know where to go with that. I didn't know where to go with that and 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 I, and that's why I hope that Jamie finds a way to like find peace in his character and like move forward and, and grow a backbone because it's like everybody's like kind of down on him right now. Um, everybody. <laughs> so yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that was really hard to watch, especially like if you've had maybe like a strained relationship with a parent, um, you don't know, like how they think about it, how they reflect upon that, how they think about you. So it also just kind of got me in my feelings like, oh, like how would like my parent like refer to me? Um, so, yeah, it was it got me in my feelings a little
1: bit. I also thought there was like a little opening for John to embrace Rip a lot more. And it was like this really, this pause, this pregnant pause. And he's like, okay, I'll see you at breakfast in the morning. Like, you know, <laughs> it's For Beth, for Casey, for John, in this episode, each one of them struggles in these one-on-one moments with somebody with vulnerability in different ways, right? Casey goes to the other side of the house on the, on the steps and, and cries. Beth does not know how to just tell her husband, hey, I want to go with you on this trip. Right. John does not know how to tell Rip, thank you for being able to handle Beth in a way that I can't. And actually, I mean, you are actually a, a more of a son to me than the one I regret. Right. <laughs> so, will they all learn how to deal with this vulnerability? Uh, you know, next on the Dutton, <laughs> Dutton show.
0: <laughs> so, so to end the show, um, the next morning, it seemed like the ass crack of dawn like four or five a.m. in the morning. They they pretty much they pretty much pack up the, the horses and they, they get ready for this cold camp to bring the, the cattle back to the ranch. Um and this is long. I love the show, man. But the goddamn the country music, bro. God, damn, I don't I don't fuck with the country music, dog. These long months and and they play the whole fucking song. I, I don't I, hold on, let me get this out first. Let me get this out first. <laughs> like, and it's it's not like country songs I can I can rock with. It's always like some random ass singer I never heard of before, some hunky-tonk beat that I'd never heard of before. And it's like the long three-minute montage of like doing whatever they're doing, whether it's bucking up, breaking down, breaking a horse or riding a horse o- o- over the pasture or, or branding cattle. It's like, bruh, I could have done without that, man. Just give me a nothing instrumental, man. I, I'm going to be cool with it, man.
2: It looks like a really long Dodge Ram commercial. Like you see them packing up the trucks and loading them up. So yeah. Hey man, somebody
1: who eats at Texas Roadhouse a lot. (laughs) I fuck with it, it, man. My barber's from Mississippi. He plays country music videos on the TV while he's cutting my hair.
0: Oh, I
1: love that shit now, man. Who knew? Who knew? I think it's I think it's the perfect backdrop to the to the show. Like it, it fits perfectly. Like I I don't I don't know what to say, man. It's it's perfect
0: score. Man, play some shit I know. Play some Tim. Play something like I can I can I can jam. Play some Tim McGraw. Play some Garth Brooks. Play some play some like Clint Black's. Play some I know. Like don't play these no these these cats. Is, is was was that even a, a pop country singer that, that song that that played out? I never heard that song before.
1: They would call you a hipster, Tim McGraw. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give me some Tennessee whiskey Give me some Chris <laughs> Ableton, dog Give me something I can fuck with But um, but no I mean all, all in all um, what, were your, what were you guys thoughts On, on this episode all in all um,
2: Yes I think it was crazy It was toxic like I said at the beginning um, Hopefully this means a turning point For Beth um, and then Hopefully some more like different types of action In the next episode
0: See?
1: Yeah, like um, I, I very much like this. I, I really like this episode. Uh, I was really excited to watch it that second time, which is a clear indicator for me. Like, okay, I really, really like an episode. Um, I love, like I said, I, I, I love the um, the one-on, like so I love the one-on-one scenes. Uh, they they show so much about what this show, the story, the show wants to tell, like the themes that this story wants to encapsulate. Um and this week is about common ground and we see how different characters find common ground with other characters in different ways. Um I very much enjoyed it. Um really looking forward to next week um and seeing how having all these characters in this uh limited space. Usually when we have episodes in, 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 in shows where a bunch of characters in one space, it gets really dramatic really quickly, right? Think um uh Allison and uh and um Damn, I just found my girl' name, man. Fucking Queen, man. Yeah. Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. God damn. <laughs> Spoke too much, man. Right? But like, just think. Remember that scene with like all the kids and everything, and you know, Aemon gets his eye taken out. So, but when we get all these characters in one space, it usually leads to a lot of drama, a lot of conflict, and uh, I'm just interested to see what what it looks like.
0: I can't wait. I cannot wait. Tristan, Marcy, thank you so much again for this for this. Uh, for this, de- this uh, debate and, and, and talking about the show. Um, you guys are, just like I know, Yellowstone, our podcasts have done really, really good the last couple of weeks um, uh, over our, over our podcast uh, website. So great job, y'all. Um, so for anybody who wants to talk about the show or y'all want to co- cover any other show, um, please follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Watchers Basements. Please like, subscribe, uh, road to 200. We're very, very close. I believe last time I checked, we're like 178 or something. So please hit us up, man. Um, leave comments, subscribe, and uh, and Brit does a great job of like scheduling episodes as well. So you can co- go to YouTube, see what we have to come over the next couple weeks. We're covering a lot of shows Games in London, Yellowstone. Um, our Wednesday, uh, the show Wednesday on Netflix, the Adams Family, um, spinoff is on That that breakdown is on. The podcast is well on YouTube as well. So please like, subscribe. I appreciate it. Give us a five star rating. Again, for myself, Tristan Marcy, episode five, Yellowstone season five comes to an end. Can't wait for episode six this Sunday.
2: Thank you so much for your time. And we are out.